Creative Brain Candy by Creators for Creators. You've all received the official statement of what occurred at Stark Industries last night. There have been unconfirmed reports that a robotic prototype malfunctioned and caused damage to the arc reactor. Fortunately, a member of Tony Stark's personal... Iron Man, that's kind of catchy. It's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate. This suit's a gold titanium alloy, but it's kind of evocative, the imagery, anyway. Here's your alibi. Okay. You were on your yacht. Yeah. We have poured papers to put you in Avalon all night and sworn statements from 50 of your guests. See, I was thinking maybe we should say it was just, uh, just Pepper and me alone on the island. That's what happened. All right. Just read it word for word. There's nothing about staying here. That's being handled. He's on vacation. Small aircraft have such a poor safety record. But what about the whole cover story? That it's a bodyguard? He's my body? I mean, is that, that's kind of flimsy, don't you think? This isn't my first rodeo, Mr. Stark. Just stick to the official statement and soon this will all be behind you. You've got 90 seconds. And now Mr. Stark has prepared a statement. He will not be taking any questions. Thank you. Uh, been a while since I was in front of you. I figure I'll stick to the cards this time. <laughs> <clears throat> There's been speculation that I was involved in the events that occurred, the freeway and the rooftop. I'm sorry, several... Mr. Stark, but do you honestly expect us to believe that that was a bodyguard in a suit that conveniently appeared, despite the fact that... I know that it's how... confusing. It is one thing to question the official story and another thing entirely to make wild accusations or insinuate that I'm uh, a superhero. I never said you're a superhero. Didn't? Mm -mm. Well, good, because that would be outlandish and uh, fantastic. I, I, I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly, with this uh, laundry list of character defects, all the mistakes I made, largely public. Yeah, okay. yeah. The truth is, I am Iron Man. Welcome, everyone, to Smoking and Drinking in Capes, a superhero podcast from a couple guys who wish they had powers. This week, we review the movie that started it all and defined what we have come to expect from superhero movies with just four words. It's 2008's Iron Man. But first, he's the guy that foreshadows that one day he will don that Iron Man suit unless he gets replaced in the next movie. It's Jason. How you doing, Jason? You can't replace me. I'm Rhodey. Which roadie? The original roadie. The only roadie. Okay. Okay. Uh, and he is a legend from the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. It's Stargate Pioneer. How are you doing today, Stargate? Sometimes you gotta run before you can walk. Sometimes. Sometimes you do. Uh, thanks for uh, coming on today. Uh, SP, I really appreciate it. Um, we will get started with Jason and uh, finding out what's happening around CBC. Are things happening around CBC? I, I don't know. Has CBC imploded? 
No, CBC has not imploded. Perfect. However, since uh, last time we recorded, uh, it looks like Simply Stogies has posted another cigars and coffee video. Uh, they're talking about the uh, Castagli Daughters of the Wind Robusto cigar. Uh, and it looks like Tim is heading up that video. And also, the Video Game Lounge has released their newest episode, Episode 9, the episode about nothing, where uh, apparently John is missing, so I'm not sure what uh, what the other two have done with his body, but Kevin and Andrew uh, may discuss that during the episode. Um, Kevin apparently has a knot from hiding John's body, and Andrew has some amnesia. Uh, so go check that episode out. All right. Anything else? No, that's it. Perfect. Hey, SP, did you come uh, prepared with superhero news? Jesus Christ, why do you make our guests do oh, fucking I didn't. homework? I didn't. I was just curious because, you know, the last time he showed up with so much stuff, it blew my mind away. I was just seeing if he was lazy or not today. I actually have a lot of Marvel-related news. Oh, my gosh. You really don't have to say any of it. I, it's all for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. tomorrow, but if you want me to run it down right now, I could. Well, there's no telling when this episode's going to come out, so yeah. you might as well. Yeah, you might as well. It's going to be old news. This this actually doesn't come out for a while. Okay, so. well, we'll we'll start with uh, stuff that really doesn't matter, right? So the wiki community, that is the MCU wiki community, actually came out with an appeal to Marvel to keep all of the television shows that are not Disney+, Plus, therefore not MCU canon, they want them to keep it canon. So you're talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter the Hulu series and everything over on Netflix, that sort of stuff. And it's an 18 page letter. I have yet to read the entire thing, but it is interesting. And apparently it's picking up traction in the news. I don't, unless it's multiverse guys, this is just me speculating. unless this is, you know, Dr. Strange multiverse related, I just don't see this happening. I uh, honestly yeah. don't see anything that's not Disney plus being accounted for as MCU canon. Well, and they pretty much they pretty much said such when they took over, you know, right? Uh, and it's the same thing that Disney took over Star Wars. It canned all the legacy stuff, pissed off a right. lot of people, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, are they, are they trying to do a Zack Snyder's Justice League on this? Kind of sounds like it. Well, I mean, this is the MCU Wiki community, so they really hold no weight or anything it's just a fan community right so they're just well but it was just the it was the fan community that got hbo to release the snyder cut or warner brothers i don't think it i have watched and i know you guys haven't yet but i've watched everything that i just said everything that's marvel related that has been out since agents of shield started back in uh, what was it 2013 2014 something like that and there is no way it can all be MCU canon because there's too many inconsistencies. So, like I said, the only reason that it could happen is if you elected each one from its old multiverse and then assigned some, a Earth number. Yeah, that's the only yeah. way. And then what's the point of that? I they're, mean, it's basically they're they're different universes now. So I mean, they just want it called different universes. It's part of the MCU, but it's a different universe. That so doesn't really matter. The fan base wants it all to be in the same universe, and they're kind of forgetting the whole multiverse thing, and they want it to be one sacred timeline sort of thing. And it's just, it can't happen there. Like I said, too many inconsistencies. And within Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. itself, which I think is the main contention for fandom right now, especially since you have Phil Coulson and you've already had some crossovers with Hill and Fury, 
that it had time travel involved in the last few seasons. So there's just no way it can be consistent with the sacred timeline or whatever earth universe that the MCU falls under nowadays. Unless that was all part of the plan by we can talk. Remains. Yeah, we can talk about that a little bit later when we're talking about the movie that we came to discuss. But yeah, I yeah. honestly don't think they had that much of a plan when they started in 2008. Oh, heck no. No, they didn't. Yeah. No. Flying by the seat of their pants. So another thing that I don't know when this is going to come out, but it might still be timely. Eternals earned a PG-13 rating due to fantastic violence and action some language and here's the sticker guys brief sexuality now sign me up brief sexuality that has fans raising their eyebrows because the mcu have avoided sexual content since marvel was acquired by disney in 2009 yeah that and smoking i don't know there was some uh there was some sexual tension between tony and pepper in this movie yeah, but this wasn't. This was pre-Disney. Yeah, and we could talk was about it? that. Yes. Itself. Oh, yep. yeah, yeah. Iron Man was pre-Disney. They didn't. Uh, Disney, Disney didn't acquire him till the middle 2000? of making Iron Man Two is when Disney yeah. acquired Marvel Studios. Two thousand nine, oh. two thousand eight, somewhere in there. Well, this came out in two thousand. Or I'm ten. Sorry, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Yep, so even though Disney acquired Marvel Entertainment in 2009, there were still ongoing films at that point in time because this came out in 2008, but it was filmed you know, before that. Same with The Hulk or The Incredible yeah. Hulk. Yeah, so Iron Man 2 was in the process of being filmed when the acquisition... I don't know where Thor fell in that either, but um, I got to believe that it was already in development when the acquisition was made. So anyway, yeah, this will be interesting with the PG-13 because of brief sexuality, and it'll be interesting to see what the brief sexuality is. And I ran into some articles that spoil some of the possibilities, but uh, if your audience want to remain spoiler-free and not knowing when this comes out, I will just beg off on that. After the I mean, did anybody expect this to not be a PG-13 movie? Uh, Aren't they all? Well, I mean... It's the brief sexuality. Oh, that piece. That piece. Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, this will come out, I guess you just said, after the Eternals. So this will probably be delayed. But uh, how'd you guys like the November 12th, 2021 first ever Disney Plus Day? Oh, it was excellent. Yeah, it was great. So there's the MCU special. And it is when Marvel Studios Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings comes out. So that'll be pretty great for me to watch because I will be able to record a episode of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. on it. This is really weird for us on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. I know you guys, you, you, you went forward, you went into the theater and you saw it, but I can't mandate the people, my co-hosts, see it on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the theater. So we're waiting until it comes out. And it was supposed to be a 45-day uh, delay, but this is obviously longer than 45 days for Shang-Chi in order to consolidate with the uh, Disney Plus day. And I also believed they see it as a box office hit, so they want to milk oh, it yeah. for all it's worth. I was going to say, right. they're just trying to milk that teat. So yeah. it sounds like you need to do what Rob does and have goons come over to your co-host's house and kneecap them if they don't go to the theater. Damn straight. Well, is that what happened to James? Uh, he's not can't here say. anymore. I can't. He ran, he ran out of kneecaps. All right. All right. So that's all the applicable news that I can talk about this week then. Cool. Sound, sounds good. How about a uh, pod crawl then? I do it. Oh, 
We have a pod crawl? You said it. I double checked before the before we started recording. So maybe I lied. The jigs is up. Alright, here we go. Alright. We can call it, I don't know, say a pod crawl. The pod crawl! Pod crawl! Pod crawl! Pod crawl! Excellent! Insert it deep! Pod crawl! Kind of like a space suppository full of information. Movie opens with Sherlock Holmes in the Afghan desert with some military people. Things go bad because sand is coarse, rough, irritating, gets everywhere, and tries to fucking kill you. And if the desert doesn't kill you, your own missiles will. Jump back 36 hours and Kirk Lazarus is getting an award for the best white man to play a black man, but he can't be bothered with showing up, so the dude accepts the award on his behalf. Stark leaves Vegas with a reporter to give her an exclusive of his nuts and a tour of his bedroom. The next morning, Stark heads out to the desert where we first saw him and gives a demo of a new missile that seems very over the top, and free cases of liquor. Now that we are caught back up to the beginning, Tony wakes up in a cave with a battery strapped to his chest to keep the shrapnel out of his heart. The fake Ten Rings, not to be confused with the real Ten Rings that we meet 13 years later, want Tony to build missiles for them in exchange for his freedom slash death. Not liking the neighbors at his new summer home, Tony gets to work on a suit so he can move to an area with a better view and less crime. Skip through the suit building montage, and Tony executes his escape plan and vows to be a better man to his dying cellmate. Stark flies off and crash lands in the desert at a very high rate of speed and somehow survives the impact of steel smashing into coarse and irritating sand with only a welding jacket and gloves as padding. After making his way home, Tony asks for a cheeseburger and a press conference where he announces that he is out of the weapons game. This doesn't go over well with the bald version of Crowley, and he locks Tony out of his own company and continues to sell the weapons. Meanwhile, Stark begins work on his Mark II suit and achieves flight control in 11 days. After a test flight with a slight freezing problem, Tony moves onto the Mark III suit and has it made in 5 hours with new material that is used in space. Tony crashes a party and finds out about Bald Crowley's continued weapons shipments. Tony, not wanting to share his toys, suits up and plans a visit to his old summer home to see how the neighbors are doing. Not liking the direction that the current HOA has managed the neighborhood, Tony removes them from office. On the way home, the Air Force get but hurt for not being invited to the HOA block party and try to shoot down Tony. Tony escapes after a plane runs into him and we see Bald Crowley go and visit the fake Ten Rings and retrieve the Mark I suit so he can reverse engineer it. This just goes to prove that all people that smoke cigars are dicks and shouldn't be trusted. Bald Crowley pays a visit to Tony, paralyzes him, steals his magnetic heart, and leaves him for dead. Tony eventually makes his way down to the garage and gets his old arc reactor with the help of his robot friends that, according to Tony, are useless until he needs them to save his life. Tony puts on his Ferrara-grade suit powered by a Pinto-grade battery to try and stop Bald Crowley from doing something bad. Not sure what that something bad is, but we needed a bad guy, so he is the bad guy. At the same time, Coulson and the other agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. try to apprehend and arrest Bald Crowley for being involved in Tony's kidnapping and hoarding too many cigars. Unfortunately, they are too late, because Bald Crowley has created his Ironmonger suit that is never called Ironmonger but we need to tie his alter ego into the movie somehow. Ironmonger escapes and Iron Man tries to battle him. The fight is very one-sided with Ironmonger getting the best of Iron Man most of the time. Eventually Pepper is able to overload the giant arc reactor and disable the Ironmonger suit as it falls into the generator, blowing up and presumably killing Bald Crowley. Next day, a press conference is held and Q, I am Iron Man, credits. All right, 2008 Iron Man. Um, 
first impressions? What are your thoughts when you first saw this? It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, Do you I don't remember? remember. You don't no. remember? Okay, that what was are you, so long ago. What are your thoughts about it now? I mean, it still holds up. I still okay. enjoy watching it. All right. Uh, that was going to be one of my questions on, you know, uh, it's been 13 years. Is it still... Is it still good? Is it does is it still valid? Does it does it still get you as uh, I wouldn't say giddy, but excited about it? Well, I mean, it doesn't get me quite as excited about it as it used to because I've seen it so many times now, and it's it's pretty much old hat watching it again. But I mean, it's still an entertaining movie. I still watch it um, right. from from start to finish, and and it I still enjoy it. So yeah, it it I'm, holds up. What about you, SP? I was trying to rack my brain since you asked me to be on the podcast here of when I actually first saw it. I don't remember seeing it in the theater. I don't think I saw it in the theater. So I think it was a couple years later, once the momentum was going towards Avengers. I actually think the first MCU movie I saw in theaters was Captain America, the first Avenger. And ironically, I saw it in 2011 during san diego comic-con in san diego so the group that i was with was really big into the mcu and we all gathered up one of the nights and instead of hanging out around san diego comic-con around the convention center there and all the cool stuff going there we went to a mall like five miles away or something like that and watched the movie there because it was that was when it was opening or maybe it was the second week or something like that so that's actually the first mcu movie that i saw in the theater by the time that I saw Captain America and the First Avenger in 2011, I think that's uh, July, I think San Diego Comic-Con was, I had already seen all the rest of the movies. And I think I saw them like on DVD because streaming wasn't a thing back then. So I think I brought right. them on DVD or rented them and watched them that way. So I was, when I saw it, I was intrigued by it enough to rush through all the rest of the stuff. And I think having Iron Man 2 early on kept me in it because I don't think after the incredible Hulk, which was the second movie that came out in 2008, I don't think I would have been incredibly interested in uh, the MCU comic book movies. But by the time that I got to Iron Man two saw a little bit more of Robert Downey jr. And then captain America, who is my favorite Avenger, then I was all in. So I think when I first saw it, I saw it on DVD at my house and I really, really enjoyed it enough to power through to get to Iron Man 2, which then powered me through to get to Avengers, which then powered me through to get all the way to where it is today. And I I joined slash took over Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. shortly after that as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you, when did you you start Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. then? Legends of Shield on, laid on yeah. Legends of Shield. Legends of Shield was started in the fall of 2013 when Agents of Shield started. Right. And I guested on a couple of the episodes before I took over in 2014. So I had already seen all the movies up to that point. I was really excited about where things were going and uh, I had a couple of of disappointing moments after the Avengers, but Again, I think the excitement of Iron Man and then Captain America, especially in the Avengers, I think it just propelled me to go for it. This, this is cool. This is great. I love what they're doing. And it all started with this movie. So right. 
Yeah, I like Jason, love to watch the movie. And if it's on, I will sit down and watch it. It's like The Martian. If I put on The Martian in the background, inevitably oh, I'm going to sit down and watch large parts of it, if not the entire movie. Yeah, I like same, that movie. I like true. that book. I've read that book three times. Yeah, it's it's a, it's amazing story. Oh, I, yeah. I really enjoy it. There are starting to be holes in The Martian because of drones. Like we have a drone now on right. Mars and they don't have any drones in the movie. So... As far as Iron Man holding up, just like what we were just talking about, Iron Man, I think, largely holds up. I think eventually some of the tech is going to get dated. I don't know when that's going to be. It's going to be five years, ten years from now, something like that. Already, the this stupid flip phone that he uses, it's just... <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. It's gr- It was great tech at the time, and it still kind of holds up, but it's just far too small in this day and age. Yeah, yeah. you could say he's a hipster then is a hipster yeah i mean he's using a, a flip phone if you were to use be be using a flip phone nowadays he'd be a hipster yeah that's true i mean what uh samsung just brought out their little flip phone smartphone thing yeah um, yeah they're 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 foldable phone yeah well yeah they got the foldable phone but they've got like two versions of it right one's almost like a flip phone and one's like a book there's several different ones on the market right now it's just yeah. Uh, Samsung is entering the foray. I believe Apple will try their stab at it next year. They just had their iPhone 13 announcement, so it wasn't part of that. But I think they will in the future. There's detriments to it. There's wearability and reliability issues. And there's a crease in the middle as far as, you know, flip opening and and seeing everything on the screen. But we'll see where that technology comes in the future. And I think once we start getting into that generation of stuff that – what we're seeing in Iron Man will start to get dated, but it's like watching Star Trek The Wrath of Khan or Star Trek The Next Generation. You know, it's dated tech, but it still holds up in terms of story. And if you get past believability on a couple of things, it's still fun to watch. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, and even his dated tech, though, I mean, yeah, his phone sucked, but. I mean, his garage and that whole setup there is still far beyond anything that we've got now, uh, it just in terms of everyday use. I, everyday I use, yes. But if you're talking tech inventor billionaire, that stuff Probably is not, available. Yeah. And yeah. oh, by the way, talking about his garage, I had an issue with this the first time I watched the movie. I had an issue with it this time. I watched all of the... Uh, bonus features that are included on Disney Plus with Iron Man right now. And they reminded me that that stupid replica car was worth $50,000 when they filmed in 2008 that they destroyed. And they legitimately oh, the destroyed replica? it. Yeah, they legitimately destroyed what? it. They, yeah, they. Uh, it's not an effect. They dropped a cement block on it. Well, see, I, so I knew it wasn't an effect. Uh, I knew it was a practical I didn't know it was an actual replica. I figured they just got a shell. It was a 50... What I heard on the extra features, it was a... And I remember talking about this about 10 years ago, too. It was a $50,000 replica that they bought out of an old MIG factory, like the the chief designer of the MIG factory or whatever owned it. So they bought it off him, transported it to the United States, put it into the film lot, and used it on the set, and destroyed it in the filming of this film. God. Well, at least they didn't destroy a real Cobra. True. Yeah, I kind of figured it was like one of them kit Cobras, you know, that you uh, you put some sort of 
uh, crap like Porsche engine or something like that, you know, and and then it's just a fiberglass body. <laughs> a crap Porsche. Well, engine, not yeah. crap, but you know, you know they. I saw, shoot, I saw one guy. They put in a. I mean, if it was a replica, that's basically what it was. Yeah. Yeah, but man, fifty thousand dollar replica, jeez. Yeah, they they bought it for fifty thousand dollars. So there yeah, must have ridiculous. been, I don't know, some real part into it or whatever, because you can make them pretty cheap. So I would imagine they'd be all over LA. My parents who live in Minnesota, their neighbor built a replica. So I know yeah. that they're available. Yeah, as a kid, um, I knew a guy that he built himself a Cobra replica as well. Loved the crap out of that thing. He would flash it everywhere so so you brought up sp about uh you you know this was a good launching for for the mcu do you guys think that any of the other first obviously hulk probably not but maybe like captain america uh i mean do you guys think one of those could have kick-started this as well as iron man did uh i don't know i don't think so i think the uh, charm and screen presence of Robbie Robert Downey Jr. did a lot to thrust Iron Man into the mainstream. Okay, Do and you- Favreau's directing style and the way that he presented Iron Man to the general audience, I think, played a, a large role as well. So I think without Favreau and Downey Jr., I don't think the MCU would be nearly as popular as it is. Okay. So do you think, and, and I was actually going to bring that up, uh, do you think anybody other than John could have done a good job at this? Uh, well, in terms of directing and, I mean, like if a Joss Whedon got in there, right? Well, Joss Whedon eventually did get in there with the Avengers. Right, uh, with he, the Avengers, but not with not with Iron Man. Yeah, you, you know, didn't have... There is, there's there's a difference between the two of them, right? Yeah, I mean, as far as their their tone, you didn't have the sacrifice that Josh Whedon demands of his audience, and we see that in Avengers later on. So, as uh, could Zack Snyder come in and do this? No, he just doesn't get the camp. He doesn't get uh, the way Marvel a uh, Marvel story needs to be told. I think John Favreau coming in and he did a fantastic interview on the Nerdist podcast back in May of 2014. And he talked, he, he was there to promote his latest movie at the time, which was Chef. And if you don't remember Chef, neither do I. I've never oh, seen it. that's a good it. movie. I've seen it, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a really good movie. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that's good. Uh, he was there promoting that, but he talked about a lot of the stuff that he did before then. And he was talking about getting ready to direct this, the fact that uh, they, it, it was an ind- basically an independent, right? And he said that, you needed a, and I'm going to paraphrase this. This is pretty much his exact words, but he was stumbling around when he said it. A brand, you need a brand that is robust enough that it warrants getting a big movie without a predisposition that you are operating out of fear. Basically, you can't come in with like a Superman or the X Men, you know, a Doctor or Professor Xavier or whatever, and then take it in the direction that what became the MCU needed to go without people crying over the characters need to end up in a certain spot. So the way that they took the script and the way that they directed this and the way that he was saying that he wanted this to go, I think only, and and I'll call him an upstart director at the time. He wasn't exactly. He only had three. 
he'd only had three under his belt at that point. Swingers, yeah, but the three was that a big he one. had were huge. I mean, he had already made a, a well-known reputation for himself by that point. Yeah, in the in the TV area, um, as far as filmography, he only had three feature. Yeah, films. but those were three big films. I mean, his debut, Swingers, was was a huge success. Uh, yes, he didn't he didn't direct Swingers. Uh, Swingers was his project, though. So yeah. he did say in that interview that growth comes from failures and failures like Cowboys and Aliens, which I know was after Iron yeah. Man. But he said his biggest growth that he had was from his failures. And remember, he was from uh, what's that called? Second. I want to say second unit in Chicago. Second. Um, oh, it's that improv group in Chicago. Uh, oh, want, yeah. Oh, um, second city. Second city. Yeah. So he, he was in second city and he thought uh, he stated that he was wondering by going there, there's some big things that came out of it. And was that all that there was there? But he said that he was there with some really key people at the moment and really learned a lot about the craft from his experience there. And then remember, he went on to act a whole bunch before he started directing. And I think the combination of the two really taught him what was going to work and what didn't. And he got out of that mold for a few things like Cowboys and Aliens. But for this, he was in the zone. This was in his prime. This was oh, yeah. a- actually in the prime of Robert Downey Jr. And we can talk about that in a little bit. But it was just a lot of pieces. Robert Downey Jr. had had a pretty storied life and career before Iron Man. Right. Oh, yeah. so, but but this was, he was prime for it because he was finally ready to make a serious go at this acting gig. And it was, they called it his rebirth. And it was the same basically yeah. as Tony Stark. Audiences could believe him as Tony Stark. He was serious about taking on the role of Tony Stark. He wanted to do a superhero movie. He said at the time that he had about five to seven good years to do superhero movie before his body was just going to fall apart. And I will amend that now, years later, by saying he kept it together throughout Endgame. And the man deserves a cheeseburger now. So let the guy eat. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was ready to do this at the time, and he oh, had yeah. the acting chops to do it, and he was serious enough. He had come off his partying phase, and he was just in the prime to do this in his career. That's what I meant, Jason, in the, in the prime to do this in his career. So combine John Favreau, Robert Downey Jr., the Marvel Studios, and the rebirth of Marvel Studios following the bankruptcy of Marvel Entertainment in the uh, late '90s, right? Wasn't this, this like a this, this was a hell Mary, wasn't it? Um, yep. If this because didn't if this work, if this didn't work, they were done. Yep. Yeah. All the I, uh, the IP that was left would have been scattered. Marvel would have been, uh, I, I would assume, cut up and and maybe assumed a little bit by DC. But yeah, this was going to be it for Marvel. Either this worked or didn't. So. John Favreau is the savior of Marvel. He's the savior uh, creator of the MCU, even though Kevin and remember Kevin Feige wasn't in charge of Marvel studios at the time. Yes, he was an executive. He was a producer, he was, but he was, yeah. he wasn't the guy in charge. So I think to answer your question that this was a success because of all of those ingredients in there. And uh, we'll talk about more later on, but I was surprised to learn who the highest paid actor out of the film was. Uh, Terrence Howard, wasn't it? That's right. You have yeah. Jeff Bridges, you have Robert Downey Jr., you have Miss Pepper Potts, who had some big screen time herself, and it just all went to Terrence Howard. 
Who wow, went. I would have guessed Jeff Bridges, but no, no. And, well, that was one of the reasons why they uh, they dropped him is because uh, Downey, you know, Downey was such a such a runaway on this. Uh, they had to give him more for the second one, and Terrence didn't like it. Yeah, Terrence. Wait, what did Terrence Howard do before this? I, I'm not super familiar with his body of work, but well, I didn't think he was that big of a name before this. A little bit of research on the fly, according to Wikipedia <laughs> overall knowledge. Um, he had stuff like Hearts War. Um, he okay, had a, that was that was an okay movie. Uh, yeah, um, Biker Boys. That was a. That was a um, um, that was a Bruce Willis movie. I mean, I don't even remember right. what he played in that. He, he was in so Mr. Two, Holland's Opus, right? So 2004, he he was in Crash, and he got nominated for a lot of stuff. Uh, 2005, he then did Hustle and Flow, again nominated, won a few things, um, and so about 2005. I mean, at that point in time, you know, they're starting to look for people for to 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 film Iron Man, right? So yep. that I I think he showed up right at the or you know, he he had some good movies right there when people were looking and so they thought he was going to be the next hot thing. Hmm. Hey, I, my I've guess. never seen Crash, so I don't know anything about that movie. I've never seen Hustle and Flow, so I don't know anything about yeah. that movie. He was in Hearts I, War in 2002. That's a Bruce right. Willis yeah. movie. And I've seen that movie. It's a Bruce Willis movie. I don't remember what he played in that movie. So He's a lieutenant. He didn't, well, it's, a, it's like a World War II movie. Yep. So, yeah, I don't remember his character in that movie. So he didn't leave a big impression. Now, I know that he's really popular now. He's on um, Empire. Oh, that Fox series. Yeah, Empire. He's on yeah. Empire, and uh, that's a huge success. So, But that didn't come until long after Iron Man. Right. So there was a HuffPost article, uh, I want to say back in oh, 2013, 2014, which was titled, um, oh gosh, what was it titled? It was How Iron Man Ruined My Career, I believe. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was Iron Man responsible for, quote, killing my career, unquote. And it's not what you think. When you read the article, he basically says that uh, it was it was a setback for his career. He had too big of a head going into it. He didn't realize what had what he had in front of him. But he also said they were going to go away from me anyway. John Don Cheadle was the person who wanted to play the role and who Marvel Studios wanted to cast, but it was a conflict of schedule. So when they knew that they were going to go ahead with a broader MCU story, of course they were going to go away from Terrence and go to Don Cheadle. It was just a foregone conclusion. And he, in the article, he basically says that uh, I did not realize the precarious position I was in. If I would have realized that I might have gone down, but that would have been a self-worth issue for me. So I'll send you guys the link. It's, it's an interesting article and it speaks to his headspace at the time post Iron Man. I think it was a misstep for him. I mean, we don't know if they would have kept or, you know, kept with Don Cheadle or not, or kept Terrence Howard, you know, I mean, without it, uh, they kept everybody else. 
Well, that's what I'm saying. They kept everybody else, so there's no, you know, if he would have kept his head down and, and not made a big stink about money, you know, War Machine could have been Cheadle, and he could have been in a suit in Iron Man 2. Yeah, at the you know, time, sure. that's that's what it was. And, oh, I, in the movie, by the way, when at the end, when he's taking a look at the Warhammer suit, right, that the Mark I suit that's staying, or yeah. Mark II suit that's staying there, and he's like, oh, next time. When I first saw this, and for years, I was like, why didn't you just get in there and fly away? And I didn't realize at the time, I have since realized it, and my eyes go Full. to it every time. There is no arc reactor to power right. it. So, right, yeah. right. The, <laughs> the arc have... reactor is all all in his chest. Yeah, yeah, he could have crawled into the suit, but he wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, because what the first the first few of them, well, even in Iron Man two, uh, it was still powered by the arc reactor in his chest, right? It yes. wasn't until three when he got rid of it. No, um, or was Rhodey it at the end of off, two? Rhodey flew off in it in 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 two. Yes, he, yes. he flew in off. Two. He flew off he, with it in two because uh, at the time. Tony, and this is my head cannon, and so rip it up if you wanted to. But Tony always knew that he wanted his friend up there with him, so he retrofitted the Mark II suit so that it had its own arc reactor, so Rhodey could power it at some point. Right, but he didn't. Uh, but as far as his own Iron Man suit, it didn't have its own its own arc reactor until later. That is correct. Until three, it was when three, he started yeah. automating them, yes. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, was it at the end of two that he he went through the surgery? I thought whatever? that was, the, was end that the end of three. Of three? Oh, no, yeah, it was the end of three after after it was all said and done. That's right. Um, so, uh, and this never really affected me until until I watched it this past time, but... That is a huge freaking hole in his chest. Yeah, it if, is. If I mean, if if Gwyneth Paltrow is able to basic basically fist his chest, <laughs> I mean, How, why did I know you were going to go there? I mean, as soon so, as you said big hole in his chest and Gwyneth Paltrow, you were, you I were, knew yeah, you, you were going to go fisting his chest. Right. I mean, but so, I mean, seriously, I thought thinking about that, I'm like. It didn't. It didn't dawn on me until this. I'm like, where are the organs at this it's just, point in time? It's just plasma discharge. Okay, so it's just good, plasma. Good, so good I guess they pushed them aside around that tube I, in his chest. Yeah. So right. The, so if you go into the special features of Iron Man, you will see the prosthesis that they create above Robert Downey Jr.'s chest in order to create that cavity in there, and that's why he's laying down because his stomach's actually underneath right. him and it just yeah. looks like he's laying or sitting prone yes. or, or something right, like right. that. So yeah, it's, it's all special effect. There's no actual hole in there, but oh, I have yeah, all but, sorts yeah, of, but in the movie, put an actual <laughs> yeah, hole right. in Dr. Right. Robert. Dunn all right, Robert, Robert, that's your, some method uh, acting right, right there. Right. Yeah, you got to commit to the How role. How committed buddy. are you? How yeah. committed to this role are you? Cause but uh, this leads to a lot of nitpicking, right? Because if he's got these shards that are in imminent danger of entering his heart and then just shredding up his heart, any time that magnet is depowerized in his chest or vacant from his chest, the shards are going to be moving. They just don't sit there for a minute or two. They start moving. So when he even changes out the, the, uh, the arc reactor, I don't, 
and then the time that Pepper fists him and then pulls out the magnet in the in the end of it. So those shards are moving. And I have a question about that because he should be dead based on that. And same with Yinsen operating on him on the cave when they put the first version of the arc reactor in. And it's just a, a plot hole, pun intended, that I, unless there's some sort of capacitor with the casing that runs around it, I don't know. But you're, you're absolutely right. If you take out the bone, I guess, you can and push the lungs aside a little bit. And I guess that would work. Yeah, because the heart's the not aorta, in the center. The, yeah, the, the pulmonary yeah, artery. Yeah. Mm. Now, uh, so Jensen said that it was a it was basically a dead man walking kind of wound, though. So it took a week for the shrapnel to move. Uh, it would take a week for the shrapnel to move to his heart. And that's just so from he's got moving time. around, right? I mean, so basically yeah. you're moving around it. it Because of the barbs, it's working its way right. through. So he he's got okay. time he's he's got time to you know switch out the the arc reactors and the electromagnet. I mean they're going to move a little bit but they're going to not they're not going to move very much. So he's basically got about a week's worth of time that he can be without the magnet in his chest to keep the barbs from his from his heart. And we don't know exactly if that just stalls the barbs where they are or if that actually pulls them back and so it maybe resets a week. They, they were never really clear on that. It resets a week. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, it resets to a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just kind of rips pulls them back. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because it has the scar tissue hasn't formed yet, right? I don't know. So, yeah that that was a little so that that whole chest cavity thing that was kind of to me was jarring this time around. Now, obviously, watching this the first time, I you know whatever I was like, oh man, that's kind of cool. Um, the other thing that I never Gaping really chest cavity was kind of cool to you. Well, no, I mean the whole the whole arc reactor in the chest thing. I thought that was a cool uh, effect, right? With the with the cylinder and everything like that. It didn't. It never dawned on me that oh, there's organs that should be there potentially. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say uh, you like gaping chest cavities. I d- I just yeah yeah I do uh, and other gaping things. Oh um, God. Moving on. Uh. So it never really dawned on me that he was captured for three months. Um, I guess I just always kind of glossed over that. I didn't know how long it had actually been. There's a time Uh, continuum issue there because when he's talking with the Jensen, they have to create the suit in a week. Now, uh, this is after he's been operated on and is walking around, which probably takes some time, but the inference when he's at the cave is that it's only like a week but then yeah, two comes weeks back. max right yeah but then he comes back and it's like two months i forget who he said that to i want to say it was Pepper. it was he said two yeah, months. but then he said three months at one time yeah yeah so there is a inconsistency it was a long walk with the time yeah yeah. So I didn't uh, I didn't see much of an inconsistent with see with the time. I mean, there was definitely a, a time compression at the end. But you figure, I mean, he had open chest surgery. He's gonna have to recover from that, and he recovered enough. I guess he was in some sort of uh, maybe a medically induced coma at one point. Um, because when he wakes up, he's healthy enough to like 
get up and walk around. Right, and there's no so that's, there's that's no not, bloody uh, bandages or anything like that on his right. chest. Right, and the electromagnetic or the electromagnet is is already installed in his chest, and it looks still looks kind of wicked, but I mean it's not fresh. Yeah, in re- in retrospect, after you've watched this, and especially as many times as we all have watched this. You start to make concessions like that, but in the moment, when the first time you're watching this, and the majority of the audience that watches this, you have the appearance that this takes a week, maybe two weeks, from the time that he is in the fun V till the time that he is just jettisoning out of there, rocketing out of there in the Iron Man Mark One suit. Right. Because... Because Rhodey goes and saves him, right? There, so, or goes and picks him up. So then, that makes you think that he's still out there. There is a deleted for scene for three months that shows the general with Rhodey on the ramp back at Edwards Air Force Base, where Rhodey has requested a transfer to go with some special forces so he can go fly around Afghanistan and, and as a side gig when he's going out there, uh, ruining his career going with these special forces because that's just not his career path is look for Tony Stark at the same time. So with the deleted scenes, you get a better sense of the expanded time frame that's going on here. The other thing that I, that I never caught on to until I was actually, until I was having to write the pod crawl and all that fun stuff. When one, it was 11, 11 days and he achieved flight with his Mark two suit. Now I, I understand, you know, he kind of had an idea already. Uh, so 11 days, maybe not impossible. Uh, and then, you know, Mark, the Mark three suit. Um, I'm assuming he didn't change any of the tech. He just changed the outer shell was like five hours um, to, to fabricate it. The thing that really blew my mind um, is when he was doing his test flight thing and he had stable or he was testing his boots. He had stable flight at 1% thrust. Yeah. 1%. How freaking fast well, does he well, go at a hundred percent? Yeah. He can definitely go. I know he more goes than supersonic, Mach but hey, how he goes super... from LA to right. Gomar, 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 in, Gomar, in like 20 Gomara? minutes, right? Yeah, <laughs> no. Galmora. But well, got, I don't know that it was twenty minutes. Well, uh, there was know, definitely you, some movie com- movie time compression yeah. there. There, but. there is, and and it, and, it, and it wasn't that fast because it wasn't like terribly fast yeah. because the planes kept up. Right? He he went yeah, supersonic. He went he went supersonic and they fired too. a missile at him. So the F twenty twos can true. do let's just say nominally about Mach two full thrust you know for a limited amount of time and you're probably burning so much gas that they can't sustain it for very long. When you're going that fast and you launch a missile, the missile actually will uh, get a little bit of action from the plane. So the missile's automatically going Mach two and then it accelerates from that. But then eventually it ends up in its own slipstream, so it's got to slow down to its own inherent max speed but what i was going to say is again the deleted scenes come in and gives a little bit more perspective this was never in the movie but in the deleted scenes he actually asked pepper to arrange a party at his house in dubai so they go to his house in dubai they have a big party there and he has fireworks that night that night with fireworks he launches up in the air with his iron man suit 
kind of an elaborate ruse to get him closer and to be able to launch up in the air of the sky with the fireworks. And he goes to Afghanistan, takes care of business, and then he comes back to Dubai. So it's not there and back again from California to Afghanistan and back, but in the deleted scenes, it's Dubai there and back, which is a little bit more believable. But in the movie magic, they decided just to go from California and back. Yeah. And, and, and that did, in that particular case, it really didn't do it service because the people that were um, in the Air Force that were monitoring the situation, right? The, they're in that room and they call they call Rody and Rody shows up, right? To because uh, they're trying to look for the bogey or whatever. And then he's in that same room later on. Yeah. when he's fighting iron Monger. so it's That's the so imagine, yeah. yeah it's a situation room or a operations room at edwards yeah. air force base that's what the movie magic is making you think that all air force activity operationally takes place at edwards air force base right next to la yeah oh i thought it was nellis right, right. but yeah yeah well that's in vegas what were your guys's thoughts on the whole iron monger thing um me personally i I thought it was kind of a weak, uh, a, a weak bad guy. Uh, just in terms of like, I don't, I don't think he did a bad job. I don't think Bridges did a bad job. I think they they decided, hey, we need a bad guy. Let's make it Bridges. Why? How do we fit? You know, let's figure this out. Um, there, there's a lot more Iron Monger. You know, there's a lot more to pull from in the comics that I think they could have done a, it's possibly so- a better job. It's so funny watching a nemesis, the uh, so deleted scenes or the bonus content and Jeff Bridges gets up there and he's giving an interview and you can clearly tell the dude, literally the dude, the dude is acting because he's being asked by the producer why he got attached to the movie. And he said, well, yeah, they asked me to do it. And then I heard that uh, John Favreau was directing and I was like, oh, okay, well, there's a, there's a cool guy. And then I heard Robert Downey Jr. was playing Tony Stark. And I, I, immediately I was like, I'm all in. I'm like, okay, at the time, and I know we just described that they were in their prime to make it big, but at the time, I wouldn't have hitched my ride as Jeff Bridges, who is an accomplished actor <laughs> at the time, to a project with those two not making the most out of the film. So I, he was clearly blowing smoke in that interview. They told him what to say and he was saying it. But as a villain, he wanted to act deliciously evil and he got his chance and it worked, but I want to take you guys down a road here. I was thinking about this as I was watching the movie. Let's just back up the time clock. And instead of 2008, let's pretend it's 1982. This is the Tron era. Jeff Bridges Would the Tron era. Jeff Bridges in 1982 be able to play Tony Stark. And perhaps his co-host or his co-star from the Tron movie, uh, Bruce Boxleitner, or maybe David Warner, be able to play Obadiah Stane. So Bruce Boxleitner, I don't think so, because Bruce Boxleitner is about the same age as Jeff Bridges. Which is why I brought up David Warner. Uh, David Warner, I don't think so. I don't know. So Jeff Bridges just has that range. I mean, he's he's played everything from the dude, which is about as opposite as you can get from Obadiah Stane. I mean, if if you were to 
look at a coin, the dude would be on one one side and Obadiah Stane would be on the other. Literally, they have one's bald and one has long hair. One's a, a, a huge, like, hippie-type character, and the other is this master of industry. So they're literally as far apart character-wise as you can get, and Jeff Bridges plays both of them really well. I, I don't think Jeff Bridges, even back in 1982 or, or in, in the 80s when he was doing uh, a lot of his early work, I don't, I don't know that he's got that that kind of swagger and charm that, that Robert Downey Jr. brought to Tony Stark. Yeah, so if you think of him in Starman... Well, Starman isn't a, is just, a great example. I mean, he... Well, no, but I'm, I'm just thinking in terms of mannerisms at that age. Starman and Tron, um, no... I, I, I think know. he well also you got to think, think so. in terms of the movie would have had a different tone because superhero movies were very different in the early 80s. But oh, yeah. but I think he could have yeah. pulled off as much of a Tony Stark as you could have in the early 80s. So would the movie have worked? Maybe maybe not. I don't know, but I'm glad we got the one with Robert Downey Jr. in 2008. Right. I mean, I think that was just yeah. really really perfect casting for Tony Stark with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, I think I I think they did a great job on on casting everybody. Uh everybody to me was good other than maybe Terrence Howard was a little uh you know arrogant. Sometimes he came off a little arrogant, but then again that, that kind of matches the, yeah, that matches his character in being this Air Force this Air Force guy that you know you know he's used to being in charge, right? Um, you know, so I don't know. Um, I can't really see anybody else, um, doing this. No, now in retrospect, a lot of people have talked in the ensuing years of who could have played Tony Stark versus Robert Downey Jr. And it's really just Robert Downey Jr. I actually am unaware of anybody else doing a screen test. I think specifically they brought Robert Downey Jr. in for this role. At least that's the lore. And he just fit the things so well with the studio that they said, okay, let's go do it. John Favreau talks about being attached to this movie as its director for two years. So it's been a two year process for him. Filming was about 90 days, but it's two years from the time that you get the script to the time that you cast to the time that you shoot till you edit it and then uh, do the premiere, you know, the promotional part and the movie comes out. So the casting part is, was really spot on the nose with the entire cast for this as we see except for terrence everybody else stayed with the mcu for the rest of the time including clark Gregg with shield and nick fury samuel right. jackson came in you know that's a, that's an important part there's two parts to this that weren't in the original script the one was the i am iron man moment but the other one that i want to talk about is nick fury that ending that coda at the very end was not in the original script during the filming of the movie, they got the idea of doing this little extra thing and they were doing it out of fun at the time. They had no idea if this movie would be a hit or not at the time. Marvel was not screening any movies, so they had no idea about audience reaction to this. So it was all shot in the dark, including that post credit scene with Nick Fury. But I think the, the strength of the movie combined with that coda moment with Nick Fury in that post credit scene really 
redefined and modernized the comic book movie at the time. So it's, it was all a success. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and all because of that, every movie, even if it's not Marvel, you're looking for that mid credit or post credit scene, you know, uh, my kids ask me all the time, is there anything after this? Even for like fall guy <laughs> or I'm free guy and <laughs> stuff like that. You Do know? you guys know what the first post credit scene ever was? Oh, damn, no. no. It's Ferris Bueller. That was the first one? Yep, first one. I would have uh I would have thought somebody had done it earlier, but All right, uh let's move on just a little bit. Uh CGI, I mean, we pretty much said CGI is going to still kind of hold up. I mean, I didn't I didn't see anything glaring in this one. Did you? No, guys? it still looks good. So, I you know, this one other than so other than Iron Man and, and Iron Monger, uh, most of it seemed like it could have been practical. So interesting fact, and if I, you didn't know this, guys, and stop me if you do, Sam Winston's prop company did all the practical effects. Are you aware of Sam Winston? Oh, yeah. 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 So for the audience that might not be familiar with Sam Winston, he's a four-time Oscar award winning in the prop development department. He one for uh like jurassic park was one of them terminator terminator 2 uh so he was doing a lot of great special effects movies starting in like 1972 running all the way to his death in 2008 so they had finished iron man his company had finished iron man before this and then he is credited with movies such as avatar and gi joe the rise of cobra in 2009 and 2010 so he has an extensive filmography, if you take a look at it, in his special effects. And his company, at the peak of their time, did a lot of the special effects for this. And ILM did the CGI for this. So it was a recipe for success. They, they did not have a failure oh, yeah. there. That was good to go with both the CGI and the special effects. All right, SP, this is, uh, this is your favorite time. Uh, I, I finally came up with an official title okay. for it. Um, Super Power Roll Call. All right, so uh, maybe that's not the official title, but that's just what I wrote down in my notes so that I would remember to ask you the all-important question. Whose powers or abilities would you like to have from this movie? Are you asking me first? Well, yeah. You're the guest. All right. I would love to have Tony Stark's mind because it's just an incredible, like as an engineer, I identified with the engineering mind of Tony Stark. I'm like, great. It, the beginning role when they're at the award ceremony of, I built his first engine at four, graduated from MIT at, you Whatever. thought they were talking about you, didn't you? I did. I was yeah. like, oh, that's all me. That would be great. But, you know, it's it's a little bit unrealistic, but he is just that good. And it sets himself aside from everybody else. And that's his really super, real superpower. Yeah, he has the suit, which is great, but it's a prosthetic. And Yeah, it's just an extension of him, yeah. Yeah, his real superpower is his mind. And, you know, I, I would love to have it. And I was trying to think of any other superpowers that are really shown in this. If you take a look at even Rhodey, he's not even a sidekick in this one. He is just Tony Stark's friend, not a sidekick. Yeah. I would say his sidekicks are Jarvis, Dummy, and you. 
they are not either Pepper or uh, Rody or anybody else. The robots and the AI are his sidekicks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jarvis does quite a... He relies on Jarvis quite a bit uh, during um, conception phase and all that kind of good stuff, so... Yeah, if you uh, see the uh, early screen test to this, by the way, you don't get the wonderful Jarvis voice. Jarvis basically sounds like this. It's somebody announcing to the entire house... So, oh, yeah. during during the films, and then they came in and post with the uh, yeah. voiceover. Okay, yeah, nice. Paul Bettany, he's the only Jarvis in my mind. So Friday's pretty good too, though. Uh, J- uh, what about you, Jason? You almost called me James. No, I actually I was you almost <laughs> called me <laughs> no, James. No, I you did not. Fucking asshole! I was gonna say Jason. Oh, you weren't. Yes, I You're was. Such a liar. Uh, I'm not answering to... your question for right. calling me James. You know what? In that case, uh, we're gonna make you. Um, you're gonna want to be. I don't know. Who dies? Somebody that dies. Yeah, there we go. Um, I'd I'd have to agree with you though. Uh, uh, SP on on the mind. Um, I, I it would be cool to be able to do what he does, what what uh, Stark does, uh, just just in terms of engineering and things like that. Um, I I love to tinker. Uh, I wish I could tinker all. I don't the time. think tinker means what you I'm sorry. think it means. I I, uh, I like to tinkle. No tinker. One of the two. Anyway, so I I wish I wish I could do stuff like that as as crazy as he can. That would that would be fun. I'd never get bored. And we see so. throughout various different scenes in the future, not necessarily in this movie. Well, I guess maybe the cave that he can do it without money, right? Because it, he doesn't need the 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 fancy tech around him. He can create what he needs with whatever well, is around him. He created the arc reactor in a cave. Miniaturized arc reactor. Yeah, miniaturized arc reactor in a cave. Yeah. So, all right, Jason. Um, so you talked about you were going to start doing uh, epigraphs. I did talk about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you have one? Nope. You don't? I don't. <sighs> the crap. I said I'd think about it. I'm still thinking. You're still I, thinking about it. I started off the podcast with the epigraph. Sometimes you got to run before you can walk. That's the epigraph for this. Perfect. Excellent. Thank you. Um, so, SP, do you got any uh, anything for me? I do, but before I get to that, let's talk about the awesome mu- music that was in okay. this. Because yeah, go ahead. there wasn't a comic book movie with this like driving rock music in it before, and I, I think that really identified itself to the audiences at the time. They probably played a buttload to get it in there, but it really came through there. And and then also let's talk about the Stan Lee cameo. This, so this was the first MCU Stan Lee cameo. It was not his first cameo overall, but his first MCU cameo. Right, because he Robert got De- into Fantastic Four and those kind of things already, hadn't he? Yeah, when, yeah, he, yeah. when he started it's- to sell off the rights, that was one of the stipulations when he sold off the rights is any character that he created, he would get to uh, do a cameo or a guest appearance in the movie. Oh, yeah, but this was also the first MCU film, so it would be the first his first appearance in an MCU cameo. That's right. right. And then Ro- Robert Downey Jr. talked about getting to spend time the morning or most of the day before the shoot, before they shot the cameo, to talk to Stan 
specifically about the character, the motivations for the character and how the character would act and that sort of thing. So Robert Downey Jr. actually got a lot out of that cameo having Stan Lee on set. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're you're an idiot if you don't if you don't take advantage of that and, and try to do that justice, you know, try to do those characters justice. Yeah, I mean, you're getting notes straight from the guy who created the character in the first place. Oh, right, right. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to say is this was, as we find out later, technically not the beginning of the MCU. So, yes, this was the first MCU chronologically in our times that showed up, but there were other things before. And just run down a short list of it. Captain America, the first Avenger, was set in the 1940s. Right. You had all that Thor stuff that happened beforehand for the Tesseract to actually come to Earth. So that was even before that, you know, maybe even a couple thousand years before that. I forget the the time frame that they put on that. You had Captain Marvel set in the 1990s, the movie yeah. of Captain Marvel. You also had flashbacks in Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain America, Civil War, and Black Panther. So this was not technically the first thing in the MCU. It's just the first movie that came out. Right. And then you have all, you have a, well, it's no longer canon, but at the time when it came out, Agent Carter, uh, that whole thing was considered canon at the beginning, when it first started. Right. So. Yeah. um, The the problem I have with that is Joss Whedon with Phil Coulson always said that I will never do anything more in the MCU if you bring back Phil Coulson. And he, they brought back Phil Coulson into the um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. And you never saw Joss Whedon directing again, so he stuck by it. But ironically, he was one of the developers to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. television show. Yeah. And he yeah. G- gave it over to his brother and his wife. So um, I think that says something ab- about the canon and Kevin Feige has taken that forward ever since. So at the time they talked about the impracticality of filming the TV series and then releasing them in conjunction with the movies. And we saw how much of a wreck that really made the first season of agents of shield until they came to the captain America winter soldier event. And then everything changed and everybody thought it was the best thing ever. But after that agents of shield suffered from not being able to sync up or crossover with the MCU. Agent Carter benefited from the fact that it was uh, a prequel, basically, and they could yeah. do whatever they wanted to as long as they got to the end point that you needed to in order to move forward. But none of the Hulu stuff, none as we were talking before, none of the Netflix stuff could be considered MCU canon just because of the way things were going. And I think that Josh Whedon really set the tone for that, and he created the issue to begin with, so... Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, word on the street is, is you've got a nice little surprise for us. I do. Well, I it's not really a surprise for you because you not asked for, for it. But the, <laughs> oh, my God. I know. Yeah, no, making our come guests on. do fucking homework. I know. And, and no. I want to call him out on this because it wasn't like when he asked me to be on the show like <laughs> last week. This was just a couple of hours ago. I got to tell you guys, I don't oh work God. this creatively with just a couple of hours. I have to like sniff some cocaine and then drink some caffeine till I am just buzzing in order to be creative enough to pull together a limerick on such short notice. So I said, I said, do you want to do one? You don't have to. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That that feels kind of compelling. Look, look, did I, did I hold up my end of the bargain? I have not called you James yet. 
yet. Yet. So, all there's right. still oh, you time. Told me, James, you dickhead. Yes. Sorry about that. All right. James. So here, here's the limerick. We'll we'll title it SP's Iron Man. Dummy and you and Jarvis sidekick, Obadiah Ironmonger prick, Tony and Pepper Me Too disaster, John Favreau Marvel Studios pick. All right, that was pretty very good. nice. That was good. That was good. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the Tony and the Pepper relationship thing and the Me Too movement and all that stuff. I, I it wouldn't fly today. It, oh no, we it wouldn't. T- we were talking about how, if this movie would hold up over time. I think that is one part that simply, if this would release today out of the blue, this movie would be crucified. Just like that, uh, that movie, what was it? Passengers with the space voyage. Oh yeah. Yeah. With, uh, uh, Chris, Chris Pratt, yeah, Chris Pratt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's it was, on, it's on the sci-fi list. There, there is some, I guess you would call it gaslighting going on in there and it would yeah. just be torn apart. It was torn apart. Actually. So, so how would the Iron Man scene not hold up? I mean, I don't, I don't see be, what the conflict is there because you have somebody working for Tony Stark being, I don't know, suggestively harassed, not, you can't say assaulted because there was no actual touching, but there was definitely a lot of suggestion there. And I just don't think that would have worked. Now, with the passengers, that's an entirely different thing that I just brought up because there's physical action that occurs over there. But this, I just don't think you could write that story today of a woman working for a powerful man being seduced by that man. I just don't think that would work. Yeah, probably not. Okay. I don't I don't really see the seduction there, but... The dance scene? Yeah, so he said, let's dance so he could talk to her. And then they went outside because I guess he was getting a little flustered. But she moved in for the kiss. Well, she did, but you're under the influence of your very powerful boss. Oh, okay. And, I mean, and I, his pheromones. <laughs> <laughs> okay. His other so he's running the red room now? I mean, is that, well, come is that on. what's going on? Come or? on, they, she had already fisted him. Oh Jesus Christ! So, <laughs> oh my God! Without a glove, without a glove. So is that is that is that where he fucked up? Is he? It is. Asked her to fist him, and yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. All right, uh, <sighs> Jason. Black lung, sir. Oh, my black lung's gonna go to Obadiah Stane. All right, perfect. How about you, SP? Definitely, I. Couldn't be sure, but I think he was the only one smoking in here. Yeah, and yeah. he had well, the big, big ass cigar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, other than other than well, there was no, there was some other uh, some of the Tin Ring guys uh, while they were watching Stark that were smoking. Uh, but well, yeah, three for three. Oh, this is a threesome. Oh God, uh, I'm giving. I changed mine. I give it to Stain as well, or or as uh, I like to call him, Bald Crowley. Um, SP, let's go with the headlush. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Rhodes because he got lit on the plane. And, He's working. Uh, yeah, 
and he could not hold his liquor. So I'm just going to go with Rhodes, even though Tony always has a glass of scotch with him or whatever. Although he did after his accident stop, but I will go with Rhodes because he can't hold his liquor versus Tony can. Gotcha. All right, Jason. Wait, after what accident did he stop? Well, after after his kidnap. No, oh, he was drinking after his kidnapping. Okay, I believe you. Where? When he went to the ball. Oh, the yeah. first thing he did was go to the bar and say, um, I need a scotch, I'm starving. And then he ordered two martinis for, for, for him and Pepper. With extra extra dry with elves, yeah. yeah. No, he was still drinking. Yeah, but it wasn't as, it wasn't, it wasn't as often, you know, and it wasn't just randomly like like before, you know. I mean, he he was drinking in the car, drinking on the plane, everything like that. I mean, he was at a benefit party with an open bar. That seems appropriate. Sure. Yeah. But mine's going to go to Tony, too. All right. Just in general? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, he, he drank pretty much throughout the movie. Gotcha. Including at the ball. Yeah. Uh, we've got another threesome. Uh, I'm giving it. Oh, to, I'm giving it to Tony. Uh, mine is more along the lines of how he uh, uh, he throws in the uh, drink caddy with every weapons order um, of 500 million or more. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. 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 And now, but, it, but just yeah, to be clear, he does the is... weapons. Do, do, he does the weapons demo, and then he pops that bad boy open and gets gets himself a drink. Just to be yeah. clear, this is not a threesome. I went with Rody. Oh, that's yeah. right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just so excited. Um, Jason, let's go with player. Uh, so my player, I think I'm going to give it to Pepper because I think she's always had a thing for for her boss. Okay. All right. And uh, SP? I could see that. Uh, I hadn't thought of that, but I could see that. I was also thinking about going with Christine Everhart because, well, she ends up with a lot of guys throughout the MCU and just Tony in here. But I will actually go with Tony because in every scene before he starts his relationship up with Pepper, you always see him with a, a woman on his arm or a woman approaching him in the deleted scenes. It's definitely there, uh, not on screen, but in the deleted scenes. So I will definitely go with Tony. Okay. Um, so I'm giving it to Tony as well uh, for getting Pepper to fist him. Oh my god! I'm just keeping keeping up with the with the whole. We're thing. never going to hear the end of fisting Tony in the chest, are we? Uh, no, no, you're not. It's like a fucking sand joke. Yes, hey, it's coarse and it gets everywhere. God damn it! <laughs> yeah. All right, SP, uh, take us home with some uh, purple hippo. Oh, definitely Yinsen. That dude was so, I mean, he knew he was screwed from the instant that this whole thing started and he wanted to go home to his family, which were dead. So he was just getting to that point and trying to make a difference in the meantime, but he knew he was screwed. And, and even at the end, he goes off charging, firing into the ceiling, knowing that he's just going to get pounded. Yeah. He, he's not even trying. No. So yeah, I will go with Yinsen and, and perhaps the most understated hero of the entire MCU by allowing this to happen. Okay. Yeah. I don't think he, it wasn't that he was, wasn't trying. I think it was that he was a doctor and he swore an oath to do no harm. So he wasn't trying to kill anybody. He was just trying to cause a distraction to buy Tony time. So it wasn't that he wasn't trying. It's just that 
he was he was doing what he could to to buy Tony some time. I don't know if that was needed, though. I mean, I know that there had to be some delay tactics, but I don't know him going off in firing into the cave was really uh, the appropriate delay tactic. But I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my. Uh, oh, Jason. Yeah. You, Sorry, I was going to skip finish. right over you. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I know. Go I ahead. can feel the love, guys. Purple, purple Jesus hippo. Christ. Look, so I, my purple we've got hippo three is going go to go here. It's so confusing. My purple hippo is going to go to Tony for being, you know, blown up and then waking up with a giant electromagnet in his chest that's uh, basically keeping him from dying a slow death. That is a head trip. I was thinking of Tony as well, but in a different aspect, because in the entire MCU, actually his entire life, he has to make a choice between the best choice between two worst choices. And it it starts from the beginning Uh, Growing up with a dad that's uh, a workaholic and a prick and possibly an alcoholic. And we see a younger dad, you know, in the MCU later on. But it starts with that. And then you go through all the mind fracks of, you know, he's got this company that produces weapons, but he sees what the weapons does. So he tries to shut it down, but he ends up getting people killed in the process. Even when he solves world peace in Iron Man 2 later on, he gets the... uh, that other people are going to be going against him and he has to make bad choices in order to make things right there all the way through Endgame and him dying in Endgame. So he's he's always making the best choice out of two worst choices. And I could see that as a cause for him being in the MCU purple hippo along the way. All right. Uh, so I, I agreed with you, SP. Um, I gave it to Jensen uh, mostly because... Well, one, um, I it, to me it was insinuated that uh, his family died because of Stark weapons. Oh, that's right, right. In the Gomer, so, yeah. yeah. So, so you you are saving this guy that is indirectly responsible for the death of your family, and all you want to do is see your family again. Right, so um, that's got to be some sort of head trip on that. He, he did have some past experience with Tony, though. He did, yeah. Uh, in, uh, we get to see that, yeah, in Iron Man three, yeah, CERN, CERN, yeah. I think that's what it was. Some conference, right? Yeah, it, yeah. it was the. It was uh, a conference in Bonn. Oh, uh, that's in um, New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety nine, if I remember right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. Uh, any final thoughts? I yeah. This was a great movie. I love talking about it. I love watching it. Uh, it's just so much to watch out there that you can't like put this on a loop and watch it all day long. And you know, there's other stuff to do with life, but it is a really good movie. If you for some reason you haven't seen it and you haven't seen any of the MCU, this is the place to start. It will hopefully get you excited about the whole thing. And it's not made for absolutely everybody, but I would say a good 98% of the people that eventually become MCU fans watch this and love it. So uh, it's, it's a good movie. And if you like this and you want to talk to me about it, I can talk about it all day long. I've been podcasting about the MCU Marvel since 2013. So this is my jam. This is your jam. Uh, anything, Jason? 
Not really. I mean, yeah, like SP, I still really enjoy this movie even 13 years later. This is the first movie that I ever saw in the theaters for the MCU. Of course, it's the first MCU movie. Now, I did skip Hulk and Thor, and I think I saw Iron Man 2 in the theater, and then I skipped the other Thor. Have Um, you watched those at all? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen those, yeah. But I didn't watch them in the theater. Gotcha. So the Iron Man movies, I was I was definitely watching in the theaters. I did watch Captain America in the theaters. Uh, the Hulk and, Mo- and Thor movies, I didn't really get into the get into in, in the theaters until the third Thor movie. So, well, that's the best one. I'm not even sure if you have to watch Hulk for the MCU. Like it doesn't. It yeah. It it doesn't move anything forward. There's been talk. Well, about- I mean. There's, there are some, I mean, so uh, what's his face? Abomination is in the new Shang-Chi movie. Yeah, but you really, it, uh, whatever. You know, it's, it's not, uh, it, it's not Yeah, it's critical. a cameo. Yeah, it's not critical. So, but been we talk can... about what, Liv Tyler, is that her name? There's yep. been talk about yep. bringing her back to, um, but overall, I haven't seen a need for it. And I haven't seen the latest Shang-Chi movie yet, so. I have heard about Abomination being in it. It's been plastered all over everywhere, but I just haven't seen it yet. So. Yeah, it's it's a five-minute thing. It's not that big of a deal. All right, so... Yeah, but it's funny. Yeah, it's good. Um, So that uh, brings us up to next time. Uh, next time, we will be reviewing the movie where a race of immortal beings with superhuman powers who have secretly lived on Earth for thousands of years reunite to battle the evil deviants. Uh, It is uh, 2021's um, The Eternals. Comes out on November, or it came out, I'm sorry, uh, November 5th. (laughs) (laughs) Time travel. It sucks, man. Uh, It came out on November 5th, so it came out uh, last week as of this recording. So we will be... um, or as of when this recording airs, uh, releases, whatever. Anyway, we're reviewing it the next time uh, because of the way our recording schedule is. That's the next thing coming up. So, uh, SP, me, what? Yeah. yeah. Let me ask Go you ahead. guys questions about uh, Eternals because I won't see it until it comes out on Disney+. Plus. Right. But you guys Why? think, well, because as the producer and director of legends of shield i can't force any of the co-hosts to go watch the movie and well, you can, but that doesn't mean you can <clears throat> we'll just see what the pandemic is like at that point in time <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so i've heard that this could be a one and done i've heard a small percentage that the eternals will come back at some time in the future do you guys think this is going to be like a one shot or do you think that it will roll on into the future? Uh, I, maybe not all of them. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see, I would like to see, well, I mean, they've hinted at, what is it? The black Knight, um, Kit Harrington, Jon Snow. Oh, um, I can see him coming back. They are yeah. the, yeah, they've hinted at him coming back and having his own thing, um, or being more involved at least. I don't know if they would bring all of them back. I don't, if anything, it'd be uh, similar to like an Avengers or an in-game Infinity War type of situation uh, as a team up, I would think. Now, we could be completely wrong 
after watching this movie. Um, yeah, I was just wondering what so, you thought about going into it. Yeah. I think, I, yeah, I don't think they're going to bring back all the Eternals uh, in the movie. I can't imagine Angelina Jolie doing this more than once. Um, there's a few other of the actors and in the movie that I don't know that they want a recurring role in the MCU, but I could be wrong. I mean, they, if, if the Eternals hits well enough and, and does well enough and they offer these actors enough money, I'm sure they'll come back for more. Yeah. Angelina Jolie definitely has a history with uh, comic book or action based movies. So I could see her wanting to do more, even though she's older now and has a different political stance than she once did. But I could see her coming back because it kind of fits her genre just for um, uh, popularity's sake, right? But if the character doesn't have any more story in it, then I, I could see that too. And she probably demands quite the price for right. the screen time. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. I wouldn't be surprised if many of the Eternals don't make it out of this movie. Yeah. Right, sacrifice themselves to the whatever it is. The not even maybe a sacrifice, they just die. Yeah. yeah. Basically a big yeah. what happened to Asgard, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. All right, SP, uh, I appreciate you coming on, uh, as always. Uh, it was great. Um, you know, I specifically brought you on because I thought it, you'd bring a uh, unique perspective since you've been reviewing this stuff forever um i was interested uh interested to see what your take was on the movie that started it all so i appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule to uh join us today yeah thanks so much for having me uh call me anytime when you're talking about marvel stuff you know i i, I have not or, done a ranking or, or uh what is it area 51 yeah, sure. Area fifty one. I, I will. Yeah, I will suck one. up the bullet to do that for you guys yeah. because I suggested it. But as far as uh, a ranking for all the MC movies, we have done it in the past for Legends of Shield. I haven't done it in a few years, but Iron. I don't know. So I don't know exactly where Iron Man would fit on that. But it's always been at the top. Like in the the phase one, I would go Avengers and then Iron Man, and then it goes from there because you stack up things like guardians of the galaxy in there and, and other yeah. like, uh, captain America winter soldier, which is really good, that sort of stuff. But I would say it's, it's in the top third for sure. I want to say top five, but as I'm going through a list of all the movies in my head, maybe not, but it is still uh, a top contender at least. And it probably still is number one out of the 23 or so Marvel movies that are out there right now for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. All right, uh, and you can find SP over on the Gunna Geek ne Network. Uh, what is that? Yep. GunnaGeek.com. Yep, G-O-N-N-A-G-E-E-K.com. Uh, yep, and he has your uh, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is every Thursday, right? We record every Thursday, and the release is every Sunday. Yeah. Night. Yep. Yep. Uh, a fun thing you guys are doing well i don't know what you're doing when this releases huh uh november what are you doing yeah Shang you know every everything has changed just in the last week because of the announcements that came out because of the uh the uh, disney plus day 
So we'll be taking What If to the end. We thought we'd be doing Change G right after that, but we're not because it's not coming out for a couple weeks after that. Then there is the uh, the Eternals that comes out on, on the 5th, as you just said. We won't cover that for at least 45 days. But then Hawkeye comes out on the 24th. So there's going to be some weeks in there that I'm not sure what we're going to be doing. But, um, and we might honestly just take some time off because I got the wedding sandwiched in there too. Uh, my daughter's getting married at the end of October. So uh, we would definitely will be covering everything on Disney Plus between What If and Hawkeye. And then eventually we'll be covering all the movies too when they come out like Shang-Chi and the Eternals. Cool. All right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight uh, or today. Our intro and outro music is Demon by JVNA. Podcrawl music is Snack Mix by Hey, Jason, you still awake over there? If you like the show, please no, rate and review no, us sorry. on iTunes. You can what leave are you us feedback on our Discord channel at smokingandrinkingincase.com slash Discord. Or you can email us at smokingandrinkingincase.com. As long as it's alcoholic, I'm sucking it down. Visit Candy for more great shows and other The very first podcast I ever recorded, I drank Dr. Pepper during. For this week, I am Iron Man. And I am drunk. (laughs) And I'm SP. All right. We will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. I thought Cat was drunk. Yeah. She's no, she's perpetually high. And we've also got episode nine by the um, the wild children, the stay wild trauma children, uh, where they're breaking down news about. No, you're gonna have to edit that out. Edit. Who edit? He doesn't know, but that's okay. Oh, this is. Okay, so this is Video Game Lounge. They changed their shit. They changed their format. Okay.